everybody. Welcome to Low Code Approach. I'm Sean Feeney. Today I am joined with Ken Aguilar, Principal Program Manager at Microsoft, and Hazim Sharaf Eldin, Principal Product Manager at Microsoft. And today we're going to cover a topic that strikes great fear into all IT admins in low code, the default environment. So I'm going to just start with a really general question. The default environment has a narrative of being a problem child in low code and in power platform. And such as like, you, you know, you can't turn off the maker role in the default environment. You know, like is is that a problem? Is the default environment really a problem? And, and you know, I didn't even give you guys an, uh, an opportunity to introduce yourself. So problem first, introduction. What, what, what do you guys think? Let's let's uh, let's knock it all out. Excellent. So um, let, let me start by uh, acknowledging that this is definitely a close and dear topic to many of our customers. And I think the kind of magic of the default environment, uh, what brings some sort of also uh, concerns at the same time. So if you think about like the fact that if you don't have any dedicated admin or you as a tenant haven't done anything about the default, it would work just like that out of the box. All makers can land in somewhere, start uh, making app solutions, and everything is working. But at the same time, if you think about like you as an admin, uh, you have to also worry about like what everyone is doing. And I think once many of the admins just like starting to have a closer look at, at like the default environment and the fact that is already working by itself, they start to think about like, okay, what type of constructs do I have to put in place and what do I need to do and where should I start and how can I actually take more control of it? And this is what probably brings a little bit of an anxiety around that. And you mentioned one example of that around like the out-of-the-box roles and permissions that get assigned to makers. So as an example of that, everyone that comes from M365 and start building and making it to the environment, they get the environment maker role assigned to them. And that in itself is it shouldn't be a problem or is not a concern. But the fact is you as an admin should probably take a step back and have a look and say, okay, how is that measured against the policies and the regulations that I have for my organization? Does that actually comply with everything that I need to have in place? Do I need to change and so on? So mm -hmm. I think that should be a kind of a starting step, if you will, for admins to just like take a step back, have a better understanding of, of like the out-of-the-box policies, permissions, everything, and then start evaluating that against their best practices, their own tailored policies, and figure out what needs to be changed. And we would probably talk later about this, but that could entail like further planning or coming up with a strategy or thinking in a different uh, way. I'm sure that Ken uh, would have more probably thoughts about that, and uh, I'll, I'll let him comment on that as well. Thanks, Azim. I think, one, you raised some excellent points. Uh, two, I have trained you well, Grasshopper. All right. All jokes aside here, I think that, one, I perhaps have maybe a unique perspective on some of the, the challenges, being a former customer, being an admin, leading a team from the customer side in terms of governing, securing, helping adopting the, the platform and things along those lines. And first off, let me say that the product itself has matured so much that perhaps it may be time for us to simply change the narrative 
of the default itself. Like, Hazem, you raised some excellent points about the roles and things along those lines. And maybe the question is, is it really a problem, right? As you mentioned, you know, are you thinking about the default as being problematic because that's what you've heard? Or is there a valid technical, regulatory, security, or other reason that it is a problem for your organization? Quite frankly, you know, myself, when I was still a customer on that side, I really didn't care too much about the, what was going on within the default because we had well-established patterns of practices, which also included using data policies, which are native within the product today, to isolate and control the default in such a way that only first-party integrations, first-party being M365 workloads, so things that we had already approved, were being used within the default. So therefore, for us, sure, fine, it was okay. Put whatever you want to put inside of there. Know that ITs maybe won't support it or something along those lines because it was maybe we sort of had it set up for self-service. But then there were also going back to, as you mentioned, Hazem, your, your policies and procedures within the organization. What's perhaps maybe that graduation process look like for something that is within the default whereby it's providing business value and then it needs to move into other parts of the organization. So maybe start extending that thinking into something like your application lifecycle management strategy such that you're not thinking simply about trying to block the default. Don't think of it that way. Think of it like, how do I enable folks to do more and then encourage them to graduate into other parts or other environments, other containers, where they may be able to have sort of more strategic and meaningful business impact. That's my maybe elevator pitch for the default, I guess, so far, right? So maybe it is a problem for your org. Maybe it shouldn't, maybe you really shouldn't be thinking about it that way. Again, let's think about trying to change the narrative of the default. So you raise up a really good point, Ken, that you, know, you, you worked in an organization that had good governance, uh, in 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 place, right, and policies in place that um, could help kind of guide makers when building apps, and there's data policies to prevent them from doing things like that. If you don't have that, and, and this question goes to both of you, if, if you don't have that in place, maybe you're starting out uh, in the process of building out a governance strategy, how do you still have the personal productivity of the default environment, but not stifle creativity of your makers so they can build one they can use it to learn how to use the tool effectively or the tools effectively and two you know build out these business use case scenarios without being handcuffed and using the tool is there a way that you can grow your governance and not stifle creativity at the same time that's a Phenomenal question, Sean. And let me maybe spin that a little bit by saying that this is something that we also hear from customers is, you know, going back a little bit to the default of, hey, I don't want to use the default, but I, I also don't want to stifle innovation. So with that said, we've made some investments that allow for greater flexibility within the platform, such as allowing now multiple developer environments where customers can feel free to allow their makers to 
have those almost sandbox-like environments, if you will, right? Where they get the full range of product features, standard and premium, but still reap the benefits of things like data policy and the security of the controls and everything else that we offer as well. Now, hypothetically speaking, we are, again, we are customer obsessed and we listen to our customers. So hypothetically speaking, customers, you know, have asked us, well, you know, what can we do to maybe sort of ensure that we are kind of route people, if you will, to these environments? So again, hypothetically, we're thinking about this and listening to customer feedback and trying to come up with features that would allow admins to empower their users to utilize the default in some cases, but also empower them to route certain use cases to different environments natively out of the box without having someone having to go to like the environment picker or this specific workload or something, I'm sorry, use case or anything like that. Azam, you want to add anything more? Yeah, I, I think you mentioned great points, uh, Ken. The other thing that just comes to my mind also, like, let's say in, in the scenario that <clears throat> Sean alluded to, right? like I as an admin today don't necessarily have an explicit strategy or plan. What could I do in order to make sure that at least I have the minimal constructs in place that would give me that level of, of control and, and uh, governance? And I think, like mentioning it as an example, like managed environment as a feature, this is potentially meant to be a way to actually introduce that kind of quick jump start for admins to establish certain governance construct without necessarily spending that much time. So imagine that you can just like, um, for those of you who are not necessarily familiar with them, managed environment, it's, this is kind of the premium at scale governance uh, feature offered today through a power platform where you as an admin can go in and turn on a button and then go through a set of configurations to make a decision like establishing certain sharing limits as an example or implementing in um, certain DLP policies or even um, some of the upcoming features uh, like building a maker onboarding experience for all of your new makers so that when they first land into their environment, they have clear guidelines around what they should be doing and where they should go and so on. And I believe that in itself is an example of how you can just quickly, without necessarily having a detailed intentional strategy, build and activate that type of construct in, in the default environment. And then as you later on have the time and probably also get some more insights around the patterns of your makers, how do they use the platform, what is working, what is not working, you would just go back and fine tune this and come up with a more intentional strategy that ideally help you to make the decision around things along the lines of what you mentioned, Ken, should I actually consider moving my makers out of the default? Do I need to start building and considering a pipeline? Or is it even fine to actually have everyone in the default environment based on what I have so far? So I believe just like taking this step by step and eventually watch, monitor, and learn, and then expand is a potential kind of a starting strategy for admins um, as they kind of ramp up and build the knowledge about the Power Platform and, and have more intentional uh, strategy. But Hazem, maybe a counterpoint to that is 
as I mentioned, you know, the platform has matured drastically from when I first started many, many years ago within Power Platform. And I would have given someone a lot of my homemade barbecue if they would have given me a feature like managed environments. Sorry for the segue. That's a whole other story about the barbecue um, and whatnot. Anyway, I would have really loved to see something like this back then. But at the time, it didn't exist. So I would maybe you know have just a small counterpoint to say that there is a richness to the out-of-the-box features for customers who may not have fully invested within the platform itself today. However, what we hear from customers is that it does take a bit of a learning curve for them to fully utilize and understand the richness of all of these particular controls. Like for example, I was reading an internal thread from some of our field personnel and they were talking about all these different PowerShell commandlets to do all these different controls and whatnot. And I commented on the thread and I said, well, why don't you just go do this in managed environments? It'll achieve the same thing. So instead of spending, you know, 50 minutes, two days or whatever it may be to try and figure this out, you've already invested in the platform, go flip this switch. And sometimes that little bit of education that you may need in terms of a brand new feature like managed environments, right, is all you need. Not simply trying to get your entire staff fluent on how to code inside of PowerFX or PowerShell or something along those lines to write these advanced governance features, because we have listened to you and we know that these features that we are building are things that customers are asking for. Like, for example, Sean, we're talking about you know, the demystification of the default environment. One highly requested thing was we don't want everyone sharing everything from the default. So what was the first thing that we delivered inside of managed environments? Sharing controls. So you can go in, customer can, and limit that directly today, right? So if you're saying that the default is a problem because you can share too much from it, or something along those lines, and you're worried about maybe data exfiltration or HSPI or whatever that your reasons may be, you can control that today through those particular types of controls. Now, you raise a really good point. There is, you know, there's a lot of power in what managed environments provides organizations now when deploying low code, uh, regardless of where they are at in that journey, either in the beginning or, you know, further reinforcing an existing governance structure. You know, besides asking the obvious question of where do I get this barbecue, the the one that I, I want to know is, you know, we've put out tools to, to help makers uh, or to help IT admins help govern makers and the way makers navigate through Power Platform. What about tools to help communicate? So, like, I, I want to be able to, you know, work and build solutions in the default environment. How how can IT admins communicate the intention of the governance structure to makers when they are building solutions? So, like, kind of what what are the guidelines or like what are the boundaries of the rules that I'm working in when I am building solutions? Do do we provide any fe uh, features that may be able to uh, accomplish that task? Yeah, that's a that's another good question, Sean. Let me maybe start off with a segue into sort of two things and then. Awesome. Please feel free to chime in wherever. So specifically, let's let's talk about in product first. So Sean, again, listening to customers, that exact question that you've asked is something that customers have asked us again many times. So 
What we have done is, I think we might have mentioned it previously, just briefly, is maker onboarding. Now, it's not exactly, I won't say, a, a new idea, because within the COE starter kit, there was something, or there is something, I should say, that does something similar. It does it via email, though. So in the case of the COE, it is a reactive governance control whereby someone goes into, let's say, the maker experience. So I visit make.powerapps.com. I start doing whatever it is I need to do, trying to learn things, trying to do whatever, but I have no real guidance, as you said, right, Sean? Now, later, I'll get the email that says, oh, hey, welcome. Did you know about all of these things, right? Any customer can set this up and they can build this. But today, what we do is we meet the person where they live, meaning in the product. What we offer today now is the ability to have that maker onboarding experience directly in the product. So when a maker comes in to make that powerops.coms, they get a pop-up or a modal dialog box, however you choose to say it, that can convey the same type of information. Now, these two things, you don't have to pick either or, they can work seamlessly with each other. So I can use the, the in-product experience and the COE starter kit together, forming a sort of complete unified story if you will, whereby I would maybe deliver a quick brief message with some blurbs. Hey, welcome, go here to get started, do these things. And then later on, follow up with an email with tons of other information if I choose to do so. Awesome. am I missing anything inside of that? Y'all know I talk a lot, so I'm gonna try to. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you cover the toolkin and, and just probably taking a kind of a, a slightly broader angle to what Sean mentioned here and brought, because in that topic of demystifying the, the default environment, I think using that kind of framework could be useful for uh, admins to uh, think through the maker journey, like where do they start? And then what do they need to do? How do they actually find out what exactly they need to do? Are they actually building in the right place or environment or not? Can I control this? after they land into a specific environment, should I allow them to access all data or not? Um, am I worried about the sharing as, as Sean pointed out, or maybe not? Am I worried about accessing certain data? Do I want them to actually share in the default environment and then make it production environment as well? Or do I want them to actually move over to a different environment? And this is where pipeline comes into place. So the thing is, is like thinking through all of those steps and that just like combining that with the special nature of the default environment. And then when I say special is due to the fact that, as we mentioned at the very beginning, that what makes default special is that it, it it's the only environment that exists by default without the intervention of any admin. So it's just like got created for you as a tenant and like other custom environments where an admin would intervene and do some customization, establish policies and so on. So what, this is mainly what makes the, the default special. So taking that into consideration, taking the journey, walking through all of those scenarios and, and looking backwards and see what an admin thinks is like fit with their organization policies versus what doesn't fit. And um, I think just like going back to the original point, like maker onboarding, maybe just like providing enough guidelines for your maker and providing them with, let's say, pointers to training materials and, and some guidance around like the policies and what they shouldn't be doing and what they shouldn't be doing could be good enough for them to just like continue building and operating the in the default environment. 
So, Hazem, let me let me maybe ask you a side question on that. Right? So, you, again, one, I don't want folks to think that we're going off on any type of script or anything like that, because we're certainly not. Um, this is just, you know, almost like us talking internally and you all listening. But with that said, Hazem, what are your thoughts on maybe asking a customer when they land within the maker experience, what is their intent? What is it that they're trying to do? Are allowing the admin to ask these basic questions such that the makers, we allow them to sort of get out of their own way, if you will. Like I'm not fully forming this, this whole idea in my head, but if we could ask them a series of questions, maybe up to three, is this a sensitive application? Is this development? Do you need to share this with other people? Okay, great. They answer all these questions and then we put them where they need to live, if you will outside of the default, another environment, or something along those lines. Do you think that that's something that customers would find of value, or what, what are your thoughts on that? I think that this is definitely a very empowering concept, because if you think about, like, at the end of the day, what exactly makers are trying to achieve, and probably is just, like, solving a problem or, or, like, building a solution for a problem that they have, including, like, enhancing productivity and so on. So that all goes back into then they have an intent, right? So they, they are actually coming into that end goal that they are trying to achieve. So even figuring out what their intent is and guiding them throughout this process by placing them in an environment as an example where they have more freedom or access to more advanced features or they have elevated set of permissions and like the default environment, for instance, where they might have a more constrained permissions, it's definitely going to be useful in a way to enable and, and empower them to become more productive. So instead of, for instance, of you have a very restricted policy implemented or applied in the default environment, and then this is where they land, and then they try to build a little bit more advanced solution, use a premium connector, build an AI model, or, or do something else, and then they get blocked. Imagine that from day one when they land, as you pointed out, if you try to figure out their intent, and the fact that they are trying to build a critical business application, or as you pointed out, this is going to be like a sensitive access to sensitive data, just by placing them in a particular environment where they have the right permissions, access, and so on, I believe that in itself is very useful and productive in all friends from like the maker perspective so that they now are not blocked. And from an admin perspective, in a way, they don't they don't have to deal with all the overhead around like, hey, I don't have access to this or I don't have permission to that. I need your help. Yeah, so th this is mainly... I, I love what you're saying here, Azamin. Uh, one, how soon can we build it for customers? <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. okay. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, uh, like, it's a great idea that you've sort of raised there. One thing I would maybe even point out as well, and like you, you kind of briefly touched on it, is, is that the added flexibility that something like this would allow. Now, I want to say that today, while something like this doesn't exist, many customers are doing things in this same fashion today, but it's a manual process where they have to try and train and educate their user community to put things in different environments and sort of ask them themselves, is this business critical? Is this sensitive? Is this whatever? And so on. So like, for example, maybe they want to use Dataverse 
but their organization doesn't encourage Dataverse within the default environment. So through the decision process, right, and sort of like what I heard you say is that something along the same lines, be it manual or something that perhaps in the future becomes an in-product feature, we would allow them to route these type of requests to environments that they now would have access to the richness of Dataverse and reap the benefits of that. Am I kind of hearing that, you know, like that in your thinking as well? Yeah, definitely. And I think Dataverse is a great example of that. Like we, we also know that not necessarily every customer is ready or or even apprehensive of all the kind of the full-fledged benefit that Dataverse could bring into the table uh, from day one. So especially if let's say that they just like most of the data already resides somewhere in Excel sheets or SharePoint or some other data sources. But this is definitely a great example of that where like if you think, let's say as in just like example, trying to link the dots here that you need your makers to just like have a basic understanding of Dataverse first, where they need to get some sort of training. And this is how you use a feature like maker onboarding, where you just like provide them with some guidelines, documentation, training, and whatnot. And then once you feel that they are ready, and then they are trying to build certain set of solutions, and this is where you just like capture their intent, figure out that they have taken the proper training and then start placing them in an environment where there is an existing instance of Dataverse. Or it could be the case also that you just like enable this in, in the default environment if you think that there is a need and, and value around that. And I think definitely there is uh, for most of the cases. But as I mentioned, it, it always depends on your like overall strategy and how you would like to utilize the platform and build your own solutions. Does yeah, that answer your, your, your question? It, it does. It does, Harlan. But I, I'd maybe also add to that that there's a certain air of trust, if you will, that customers have with us that, for lack of a better way to say this, we should be the ones almost telling them what to do for, for basic guidelines. And I know we do a great job of putting out documentation and, and so on, but do you feel like maybe for some of these particular things that some maybe some baseline templates or something along those lines would be an effective way of customers um, demystifying the default, if you will? Like, let's say, for example, this is just a random question that I'm asking. If we provided a default policy that said, hey, great. OK, here's your baseline. Go edit it and go wild now, if you will. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think we we definitely uh, heard some uh, feedback along those lines from a number of customers. Like, tell me about the baseline. How can I actually establish a baseline without necessarily over architecting everything and and, and over investing my time in, in establishing that baseline? So I think this is a great idea, and and definitely it's something that we are also considering and looking into. Like, can you, for example, turn on a button and then have a baseline DLP policies established and what does that entail? But taking this back, I think, to the managed environment as an example of that and and potentially associating that with managed environment, it's the same concept. Can I actually have a baseline governance construct that is established with a click of button? And then when I say a governance construct, I mean 
a comprehensive one. So the example that you mentioned around like policies, DLP and so on, but you can think about like every other aspect. We touched already on sharing, DLP policies, maybe the some of the other governance aspects uh, when it comes to that, because you can think about like even beyond Power apps. So we're talking about like power, power automate, power apps, and and many of the other product families. So I think just making sure that you have a comprehensive end-to-end governance construct that is trusted enough for you to make sure that it covers all the different aspects for your organization with that simple click. I, I know I put you on the spot right there. That was a pretty dang good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, was, that was really, really good. And uh, I, uh, Hasim, I'd like to say thank you for coming on to the Ken and Sean podcast. Uh, a lot of Ken, a <laughs> little bit of Sean. So, hey, real fast, as we wrap this one up, I'd like to just pose one more question to each of you. Uh, Ken, the timer starts now for you, actually. What are the next steps for IT admins that are looking to get you know, control of the default environment? What should they read? What should they look at? What should they start thinking about? I know they got this podcast that they just thought about, but if they were going to go and click on a link and and deep dive into some content, what do you recommend they go do? Well, that's a very interesting question, Sean. Like, here's my answer may be a little bit of a surprise. So I mentioned that we have some great documentation and whatnot, but maybe that's not where you need to start. Maybe as a customer, you need to start with thinking about your own policies and procedures internally and what's important to you and how you want to use the existing controls within the platform and align the platform to your existing policies procedures. Many customers are doing this today successfully. As I said, the default has a known sort of reputation, if you will, the bad boy, the junk drawer, the, you know, it's, it's all of these different names. Perhaps it's not the problem for your organization. Maybe it's just the narrative that you're hearing and you have some, unconscious bias against the default and thinking that you're introducing a problem into your organization that really doesn't necessarily exist because you have not maybe read some of the documentation in terms of the amount of controls that we have in terms of tenant isolation, data policies, conditional access, um, some other additional things that I can't necessarily talk about just yet that we're making investment on in security to make things very, very nice and easy for customers. In addition to the wealth of other controls that come with just the investments inside of the M365 ecosystem that can also be applied to Power Apps, Power Platform, you know, RPA, and so on and so forth. I mean, I would certainly challenge the customer to, again, do a little bit of their own research and certainly work with their local account teams and ask, hey, is the default really my problem? Or how can I make the default work within my organization? And by all means, please, you know, if they can't answer that, find Sean on LinkedIn and ask him the question. <laughs> Man, I walked into that. Hasim, same question to you. Yeah, I think plus one to what uh, Ken mentioned, like is just even if you think that there is a problem in, in the default, just like, Go and face the dragon. Like, let's identify the delta between what you think the problem is and 
the kind of out-of-the-box standard configuration and setting you're seeing in the default. And maybe there is actually an out-of-the-box solution, or maybe you can use even tools like the COE toolkit or, or some other sort of solution that we are already providing. So this is why I, I still, and I, I know that now this like sounds like a paid ad for managed environment, and uh, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> just go and try out managed environment, even in single in, in environments. And I think that in itself, by just going through the configuration process, you will think through the different dimensions that you would need to consider when it comes to the governance. And this is definitely applicable in the default environment. Through each step and each configuration, you would probably start thinking through, okay, is that something that I need to really configure or consider in my default or not? Maybe yes, maybe not. And then that exercise in itself will probably provide I do with that uh, line of sight. So, Hazem, you, you you raise a great point about managed environments, like plus 100, 1,000, 1 million to what you said about that, right? And like, I also would, would like to encourage customers in the way that you said it, Hazem, in that managed environments does not necessarily have to be applied to everything. I, I'm yes, I'm biased. I would certainly like for you to apply it to everything. Customers, you hear me? I would like for you to put it on everything that you own. Do it, right? However, I understand- Sound even worse than me now. Okay. Right, exactly. <laughs> I understand that that may not be economically feasible for everyone. With that said, we do offer, again, a wealth of flexibility and controls such that customers can target specific environments and even restrict the number of users that are empowered, if you will, by managed environments. So you can reap the benefits of specific features within managed environments for only specific users within your organization should you choose to do so. And so there, there's definitely a, a wealth of options when it term, in terms of exploring those capabilities. Now, you raise a, a really good point about, you know, managed environments and actually just, you know, overall tools that are supplied by Microsoft to help you on that, that governance strategy and to get you where you need to go at the pace you need to get there. Hey, I'd like to thank both of you for showing up today. Uh, this is great. I'm sure a lot of questions will come up about this. Do not be surprised when I put time on your calendar for a part two of this conversation. Once again, thank you both for showing up and uh, we'll pass along any other information in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.